right, so it's time for another one of these uh, Tale of the Tape episodes. I'm really tentative about this one. Um, so j- just so you know, I'm going to be like extra vulnerable, at least internally. And, and maybe like the vulnerability is because uh, I really wanted to cheat on this one. That's what I'm, I'll be honest with you. Like I really want, like I, as I like started to scan my memory banks, there wasn't much in there, uh, and I said there should be a lot more in my memory banks about this movie, and a lot, you know, my brain does that all. I say it says does not com- compute, uh, you know, file not found. It was a lot of that file not found, and I said, well, how come I can remember so little details about this movie that had a huge impact on my childhood? It's one of the most beloved movies of all time. Uh, but I can't remember even, it can remember, it can only remember the set pieces, you know, these, uh, and then I said, that then, then I did have a debate. This was about 10 days over the past 10 days. I said, well, maybe I should just look it up in Wikipedia. Maybe I should watch it. And he said, cause it's going to be really embarrassing if I don't like, I don't even know where, how the movie starts. And I said to myself, Scoots, you could, you could do that, but like, uh, or you could parachute, you know, you could parachute, uh, and just let the listeners, and then I said, actually, this is a podcast to put people to sleep. And I said, no offense to Scoots, you're great. You're no Paul Shear. And only Paul, there's only one Paul Shear and Paul Shear does his job. And he's in, you know, and you do your job and both jobs, uh, you know they're 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 important in different ways, and then I said, okay, well, and he said, yeah, but I, and then I said, we can, you can do it. So without further ado, tonight tonight we're going to be talking about Back to the Future, and obviously it's a, you know it's the seminal '80s movie. I'm not even sure what's seminal. You know, very important. It didn't launch the career of Michael J. Fox, but it changed his career tra- trajectory, I guess you could say, because he was a beloved uh, TV actor, I think, at the time the movie came out on uh, Family Ties. Uh, but it was a huge, it, it, it's a, the, these three movies that were doing Goonies, A View to a Kitten, and Back to the Future had a huge, uh, this summer they came out, whatever summer it was, 1980, uh, I think it was 86, I think it was 85, though. I don't know if it was, I want to say, it it would make more sense if it was the summer between 5th and 6th grade. But it could have been the summer after 6th grade, between 6th grade and middle school. But uh, I I don't, I don't, I mean, just being honest, I don't have any idea. But so this was a movie that uh, I can, like, I can remember a lot of things. Much like A View to a Kitten, it had an amazing soundtrack, uh, a few Huey Lewis tracks on there. I don't know if they were Huey Lewis and the news or just Huey Lewis. uh, Like, I think they were probably, I I don't know. I'm not sure. But there was the big tracks. There was Back back in Time and Power of Love. and then there was also great instrumentals. Uh, I don't know if John Williams did those, but uh, whoever did them or whomever, I, I think is probably the correct thing. But I, so I remember listening to that uh, with my friend Bo. Again, I didn't have the uh, soundtrack, but my friend Bo did. And uh, he, he play, we played it a lot as we would ride bikes and whatever else we did. It like adventures and, you know, pretend to. And I was again like, geez, why can't I be like, like, will high school be just like Back to the Future? And I think I went into it expecting that. 
I mean, I've talked about how TV and movies, like, its impact on me. I, I was honestly convinced between grammar school and then middle school that it was my grammar school that was the problem, not me. And then I said, okay, when I get to middle school, it's going to be just like Back to the Future and Degrassi and Silver Spoons, Who's the Boss, Growing Pains. It's going to be just like that. And I'm going to be that character, like uh, the trickster hero. And I wish a part of me would just sit down and be like, do, do, like, like, I guess you can't do that. Though. This is what you have to learn by living life is they, well, you're not really, no, you know, that's great. You know, but Star Wars movies, like they need, please don't say I'm C-3PO. Star Wars movies, they do need a C-3PO. You, you know, and not everybody can be Han Solo. Please don't say, please don't tell me 3CPO. And... Can it just be Luke or something? And it's, it's, sorry, I'm just making it so, so, you know, not every high school can have. I'm a C-3PO in high school, and it'll be fine. You'll be fine. And it'd be way better if you embrace your your threes to the C's to the P's to the O. But actually, I got to correct you because I don't have any grasp of any language. It's not even the English language, so I can't be C-3PO. Well, no, you're just more like the essence of sleep. Okay, great. But so it did create a version of high school. Uh, there wasn't that many high school scenes in there, and I never decided. I, don't, I think I tried to learn the bass when I was a senior in high school, and I didn't I didn't learn the bass. Uh, but, like, and I told my siblings when they were young, I said, please learn an instrument, please, you know, so I can live vicariously through you. And, you know, they, they, they just like, I don't think my voice is worth much. You know, when you see the light, you say, okay, well, it's exactly don't, you don't want, don't be three CPUs. You know, you want, don't, don't end up like me. I'm like a, I'm just like three PO. I don't even have the C because I can't, you know, I don't have the, uh, whatever his job was, uh, protocols and stuff. I guess that's the P. But so, like, I did have, like, an um, unrealistic version, like, that Back to the Future planted in my mind. And this was the first summer, as I've been saying with this progression, that I could go to the movies. And I definitely, I can remember after seeing Goonies, you know, that had changed. Like, uh, I said, I can't believe how good the movies can be. Like, how totally swept away it can, it can do, what it can do to you. And especially the romance of the movie theater. And the, the the total experience, but uh, like I just couldn't believe that that experience of Goonies could ever be topped. And and it was um like I said, a view to a kitten was enjoyable. It wasn't um life altering like Goonies was. And I can remember whether it was like ET, what was that show? ET Tonight or whatever, or something. One of those shows that's on like between getting home from school and dinner. Like they said, like, and maybe it was even, or maybe right before my dad comes home, maybe it was like, but they'd said, oh, do you see, if you thought Goonies was good, you know, Steven Spielberg's got something to show you. Cause there's a movie coming out next month called, that that's going to be, and I said, no, that's not possible that a movie could be better than Goonies. They said, I'm sorry, like I entertain E.T. tonight or whatever, you're fools. And, 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 and like, I didn't, I don't think I hardened my heart against it. You know, that, that's something that does happen a lot. You know, you hear people and, uh, you know, they go into movies with a, like an agenda not to like it. And it, sometimes the movie can blow them away. But I was suspicious. I said, I don't see. And, and I said, well, it's a different, it's a, it, I, I, don't, I don't even think I knew what it was about when I, the first time I saw it. 
other than, you know, like, uh, there was the poster, which was the DeLorean with Marty McFly. And they think Doc Brown was off, uh, off in the background of the poster. And there was the, uh, uh, flaming tracks and probably the mall or something behind them. But I definitely was suspicious. I said, I don't think this could be as good as Goonies, but then, uh, uh, the time came and this would be my timeline. I could be totally off. Like I would guess if I had, if I was put to the test that Goonies came out in like, uh, May and, um, what do you call it? What, what else can, then a view to a kitten probably came out like beginning of the summer. Like, so I don't know if a Memorial, what is it? Is it Memorial day starts the summer or labor day ends the summer, right? So I don't know if Goonies came out near or around Memorial Day. Then View to a Kitten came out like right as, as soon as the summer hit, you know. So maybe like June. And then I, I, if I had to guess, I'd say mid-June to July was when Back to the Future came out. But those are only guesses. But I know there was a gap of, of a month or two between Goonies and Back to the Future. And like, as I said, my memory banks don't hold like a lot of a uh, thing about like, we'll try to go through the plot. And I think that'll be embarrassing for me and especially embarrassing because I have b- b- siblings and friends that have like these really a- accurate memories. Uh, but my mom, you know, my memory doesn't work quite that way, but that's fine. You know, we're all humans and uh, we all have our, you know, our, our positive and uh, not so positive features. Uh, but so back to the future. So I, at Lake, I can remember that by the time they got to the shopping mall, uh, at Lake, I, I was fully, I was beyond a disbelief. I was beyond suspension of belief or disbelief. Like, uh, in Goonies, it, it wasn't like it, it didn't need to pale in comparison. It was like, this is something just as magnificent in a different way. I mean, a little bit like, uh, I don't know if they're both PG movies. I, I don't, I don't have any idea about that, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Back to the Future, again, I, I think, I, I don't know when I, last time I saw either one. I'll be watching Goonies soon and maybe I'll watch Back to the Future. I've probably seen Goonies more recently. I don't think I've seen either one in a long, long time. But, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Even on, by accident on TV, I, I saw, I did watch them a Back to the Future 2, uh, like on a New Year's marathon or something. But I remember being in that theater, and by the time the scene at the mall came, I, I couldn't believe, like, like, I was gone. I was, in, I was there, and, and, uh, and then I craved having that experience again and again, and actually going to see it multiple times did not, uh, I mean, I don't know if I, how many times I saw that one, maybe five, maybe 10, maybe 20. I have no clue. I think during this summer, maybe between Review to a Kitten and Go- uh, Back to the Future, they upped to the price to 225 for a ch- child's matinee ticket or 250 So I do remember that being a little bit of an issue. Like, uh, like that, that, that was like, that was a lot for me, you know, it's 10% inflation or 15 or something. But so, like, so those are the things that I want to make clear. So how does Back to the Future start out? I, that's what that's a question I'll probably be asking myself until everybody, until this episode comes out or I see it again. Because that one, I, I don't really remember. I mean, I remember the scene at the mall. But, it, like, so, so maybe we could work our way backwards from the mall. 
uh, where Marty shows up at the mall. Like, so um, at some point, Marty must go to Doc Brown's house. And I think that, like, so I, I don't know if we had met Doc Brown at all. So, like, at some point, maybe Marty goes to Doc Brown's house to get something. And there's a note to bring your video camera and meet meet me at the Hillsdale Mall. I think that's the name. And I said, she said, I wish I could go to that mall. Looks like the coolest mall in the world, even though it's closed and it was nighttime. But I think at some point, Marty goes over to Doc Brown's house um, to... I don't know why, like, I'm trying to think how close they live to one another. Oh, maybe, oh wait, he goes to practice his, is that what he does? Is that where he practices the guitar and the guitar? Let's say that. So he goes back there and yeah, I guess that maybe that is the scene to practice playing a guitar because Doc has this giant speaker with a super powerful amp. And that's another cool scene where Marty, like, you know, Marty's just super cool. I mean, to, especially to a young male. Like, he plays guitar, he skateboards, he's got, like, good clothes that I, I don't even know where you'd purchase them. Like, jean jacket. I don't even know if he had a jean jacket, but it's in, in pins and he had good hair, sunglasses, a girlfriend, all those things. All those things they would, uh, I would I would expect I would have expected when I got to high school, and I'm, I mean this might seem silly and sad, but it's true. That I'd be like, oh wow, like suddenly you have style, and suddenly, but it, you know, it's also fiction. I didn't quite realize that, uh, but you know, we you live and you you live you live and you suspend disbelief. That's what that's what the dreams are made of, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, so let's keep working back. This is kind of actually helping. So at some point, Marty so Marty goes to Doc Brown's house to play the guitar. He blows out the speaker, gets shot across the garage or Doc's, like, workshop. Also, that's when we learn about Doc's inventions, because I think there's, like, a dog feeding invention, and we meet Doc's dog, Einstein. I'm guessing the dog's name's Einstein. And maybe we get a couple more clues about what Doc's up to. I think we see the uh, the the uh, uranium or whatever Doc. I think Marty accidentally drops something and, and sees that, or maybe we as the audience just see that. So so we get a hint of who who Doc is, and that Marty has to meet him later. And then I think between the mall, like between the beginning of the movie and the mall mall scene, there's probably three more locations: Marty's house, the high school, and the town, uh, the city. So let's see if we could get there. I would guess that he went from Doc's house to, to the his parents' house to the mall. So if we're working backwards, let's look. Well, let's. Well, yeah, I don't want to miss that scene. So, so, so I guess after Doc's, he probably goes to his parents' house, his his house, and we meet Marty's mother and his sister and his brother. And I think in the first movie, his mother's played by Leah Thompson, and uh, and then his brother and his sister are. Uh, I don't know the actor or the actress's names. Uh, but, you know, it's like a lot of jokes are set up in this scene. So we learn about uh, Uncle Joey because he's getting out of jail. His mom's baking a cake. Uh, we learn that, uh, I don't know, like uh, I think maybe he, he, like his brother and his sister, 
you know, if they poo-poo on Marty's ideas and then, uh, like, uh, I don't know if Marty has an issue because he doesn't have a car. Maybe there's some compl- complaining around that. I think probably there is. So they could be another movie. They're talking about the big dance, I think, is one subject and Marty's girlfriend. And then we meet Marty's dad, George McFly, uh, played by Crispin Glover. Uh, and, and, and I, if you listen to the podcast a lot, you'll know that I had McFly issues when this, it, it was years after the movie or a few years after the movie, I was in high school. And at some point I decided to get, go like a good, get greasy with my hair. And I had, so I had kind of like a George McFly style haircut and it wasn't intentionally to be cool. I guess it was like a part of my fur acceptance. So I had like a buzz cut, but like long hair. And I used a lot of grease and I also had the same build as George McFly. And I mean, me and George, George McFly have a lot of similarities. And, you know, I was way more, I guess, yeah, who would I rather be? C-3PO or George McFly? Probably George McFly. Uh, because at least, like, uh, no offense to C-3PO fans, but uh, at least George McFly is relatable. And, you know, like C-3PO, so, so I don't want to go on any anti-3PO things. It's not that I dislike C-3PO. I just don't want to be C-3PO. I'd rather be George McFly. I'm sorry, C-3PO. And I was. And then for a little while, this one kid, I think he was a year or two younger than me. I know his older brother's name. I can't think of his first name. Eh, you know, and I'm not doing that on purpose, but that kind of feels good. I don't, I can't think of his name. Uh. I think of his brother's name. He's got two brothers. Anyway, but he started calling me McFly. And he was the kind of kid, he was kind of like, uh, he bullied me a little bit, even though he's a year younger than me. Uh, but I think it was like one of those like friendship bully things. Like, I think he really wanted to be my friend. I never picked up on that. And I said, dude, like, uh, and he had two older brothers that were older than me. So he was probably, you know, he, it wasn't that big a deal. In you know, and I wasn't the nicest kid either. So so it was like it was one of those cycle things. But he started calling me McFly, and he tried to get people, or he'd point out that I looked like McFly. And this was probably when the movie was out on VHS. Like this was years after the movie had come out. And then at some point, this one of my classmates, Alicia, uh, sat me down, and like she said, "Listen," and I think it may be uh, Megan too. Uh, and Alicia said to me, listen, you got to stop greasing your hair. It looks like, like she wasn't saying it in a mean way. She was saying it like in a, like a, and again, I couldn't, I, I think I could barely separate that. I think she tried to sit me down like two or three times. She said, don't use the, stop greasing your hair. And at first she, I think she went like soft cell and I took it as like an embarrassment. And then I, you know, got stubborn and then one time she just sat me down. She said, you got to stop it. It just doesn't look, it, it, it makes you, you should, and, and makes it, it's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself almost. I think she even spun it nicer. She, like, she, she was very clear. She was trying to keep clear boundaries that she wasn't attracted to me, but that she was doing it as a friend, which is, I guess, a very delicate thing, especially with someone that's uh, personalities like George McFly. But she said, listen, you, you, like basically she, and then I did, I finally listened and then it took me another four or five years to realize that my hair was a hopeless situation. But, uh, uh, but so, so, um, let's see where, so where, where are my points? So 
She tried to help me, and then I finally stopped greasing my hair. But uh, I wasn't known as George McFly. But so in the movie Back to the Future, George McFly comes home. And yeah, Marty needs a car for the big dance. That was it. Because maybe he was going to use his sister's car, and his sister's car like uh, got, got in an accident. So then he needs his dad's car, who his dad had promised him the car for the dance. And then his, he says, Dad, I still get the car for the dance set. And he says, oh, no, Marty, I got to go. And then Biff shows up and, like, is uh, a clear, clear Biff Tannen, and uh, that's played by Tom Wilson. And someone sent me some uh, video on Twitter of Tom Wilson doing stand-up music. It was very funny. I think that's who plays Biff Tannen. And so then... um Let's see, where's where my point? So then Biff like, is like, you got to do it, McFly. He's bullying Marty's dad in front of him, emasculating him in front of his mother and his children. And it upsets Marty greatly because he says, well, geez, I don't want like it. Like it. He goes, you know, I'm the kind of man that stands up for myself. Uh, dad, you, I'm not going to be like you. And Marty said, you know, he says, Dad, you got to stand up, you know, and then, it, you know, he says, well, I can't, you know, whatever. Like, uh, he said, what, how, how did you even, like, get Mom to marry you when you're such a pushover? And one of Biff's burns on McFly is like, don't be so gullible, McFly, which I, and that's another thing I share. I'm a super, especially as a kid, but even sometimes as an adult, like, I'm super gullible. And I think, you know, I had a bit of, yeah, I wanted to be a Marty, but I was much more of a Mc, George McFly. But McFly, he always called him McFly Biff. So that's the scene at Marty's house. And then I think Marty leaves in a huff uh, to go to the mall to meet, uh, to dock. So that's when the adventure begins. And I think the scenes before that are, Mar you know, we see the clock tower in the main downtown area. And Marty, that's when we learn Marty's like a skateboarder and he rides in the back of cars, which, uh, you know, you can only do that in movies, I think. Or, you know, I can't do it at all. Even if I was in a movie, I wouldn't be able to do this. It's not, not my thing. I don't have, like, I tried to learn, I tried to be a skateboarder, but, uh, it didn't, you know, I just, uh, I'm not, like, you know, when you, uh, anybody that skateboards, you know, one of the things that my, because my, a couple of my friends did, and then I would like, like, I couldn't even do the thing where you get moving. Like, uh, I would like kick the tail up and then I'd just move the board left and right and left and right. And I wouldn't go anywhere. So I think I, the only thing I could do is like flip the board over and land on it. But that was like when I'm not on the board, not like an alley or whatever you could, whatever you call it, kick flip. But so, and then the first scene was a high school scene. And I think the things we learn in the high school scene are, one, the principal doesn't like Marty, and Marty's a trickster. We learn that. Marty's going to be in the battle of the bands. Marty needs a car. Marty's got a beautiful girlfriend, and they're kind of in love, but it'd be nice if he had a car, you know, for uh, for, for obvious and not to, for transportation reasons. And so I, I think, I mean, I mean, I'm not positive where the movie opens, I can't, but I would guess it was like Marty skateboarding. If I had to guess, it was, but, uh, huh, I don't know. I mean, if, if there like, if it, if it started in such a mundane way or with the battle of the bands or with Mark, but, but I mean, that's the sequences I remember. So some sort of opening that I don't remember. 
Oh, wait, was there like an opening scene? Maybe he goes to Doc Brown's house first because maybe the opening is like all the clocks and things at Doc Brown's house. That, now my memory's coming back to me. And seeing alarms go off and then the dog food and realizing that Doc hasn't been home for a while. And then maybe Marty comes in with the mail. So maybe that's the first scene. Then the high school scene. Then Marty skateboarding. Then Marty's house. Then the shopping mall. And this is where the movie really starts. Uh, like at this mall. So Marty's at the mall. He meets with Doc. He says they both have, I guess it, it starts in the middle of the action, like a, a good scene would. And they're both in, uh, Marty's in, they're both in uh, like a radiation suits. So at least Marty is, I think Doc's in a lab coat. And we learn, you know, that, that, that Doc's, gonna, this is a time machine and Doc's going to go back to back in time. I think, or maybe he's going to go into the future. I can't remember exactly. I think he's showing Marty how it works. So he's like, oh, I could go to 1988, 19, or maybe it was a, it was a year for Back to the Future 2, 2014, 2000, I don't know. Well, he's like, look at all these years. And then it, it showed the time and he talked about the flex capacitor and how it worked. And he said, he said yeah, when you, and Marty was doing a little videotaping. And then whoever Doc got the fission materials from shows up, and they're not happy with Doc. So Doc gets in trouble with them. He says, you got to get out of here, Marty. And we learn also 1.1 gigawatts, at, at a, and you got to go 88 miles an hour, and that it takes a ton of energy to do that. And so Marty goes 88 miles an hour, whatever the last thing programmed in, which would have been like the day, whatever, like uh, – this day in like whatever nineteen I don't even know the dates nineteen sixty I think it was in the fifties maybe who knows oh boy it had been like it, that was like eighty six so maybe thirty years before it would have been fifty six or something but so Marty goes back in time uh, back to the same town he lived in which I think is Hillsdale but I'm not positive on that and he doesn't know it right away I don't think and he crashes into a barn. And then he comes out of the barn, and he's dressed like still he has his uh, total radiation suit on. So a kid sees him and runs away. Uh, and the DeLorean, which is another big thing, has the doors that open like wings. And so Marty comes out, and the kid runs away. And then Marty has to run away from the kid and his dad because they think he's an alien. And it was kind of throw throwback to these kind of stories because I think he had like a like a like a comic book, a pulp fiction, sci-fi, like weird stories kind of comic uh, with a picture just like what Marty looked like on the cover. So then Marty gets away, but then he runs out of gas. Then he hides in the car, I think, and the, the or sleeps in the car because I felt like that happened at night. And then the next thing I remember, and again, I think he th like hid the car behind a like a sign for his new like that a new development was coming to town. I guess yeah, maybe the new development he ended up living in. Maybe he drove out to his house; it was gone. And then he hides the car. Then he decides to go find Doc Brown. I'm not exactly sure. And something like that. And then he goes in. Maybe Dag Brown lived by his mom's house. He's, he's some reason he's in town. 
don't know why I can't remember why he would be in town. Oh, okay. No, he goes to downtown. And then he sees his dad and Biff. He goes to like, so there's a comedy sequence where Marty goes to the diner or the soda place. And then we see like, oh, wait, this is a new world that he's in. And the guy working at the diner will one day be mayor and, you know, ordering a soda is more complicated or whatever. And, you know, all that sort of stuff. And... Then we see Marty's dad being bullied by Biff, and Marty stands up. I think Marty stands up to Biff, and Marty's dad runs away. And then Marty, Biff, and his goons chase after Marty. And then Marty has a skateboard, so he becomes like everyone's like, holy. No, no, he makes a skateboard. He takes a kid's scooter, makes it into a skateboard, and then skateboards away. And there's a cool action sequence where he's dodging Biff and his crew. And he's still trying to find his dad. Then he realizes his dad's peeping Tom, spying on his mom. His dad, Marty says, Dad, what are you doing? And then uh, Marty's grandfather bumps him, bumps into him. And then the next thing you know, Marty's waking up in a room. And his mom is like uh, trying to help him. And then she calls him Calvin Klein because he's only in his underwear. And it's like a confusing scene because she's having this Florence Nightingale s- syndrome. And let's see. So like, uh, so she's, she's kind of falling in love with him. And then Marty is like, I got to get out of there. But I think he still has to eat dinner with the family. So he's eating dinner with his mom and his grandparents. And uh, like, and she, his mom's still like kind of obsessed with him and very forward. And, you know, it's funny that this level of subversiveness, like, uh, first, like, uh, like, um, hmm, like the 80s were a tough time. You know, they, they were very, uh, like, the, there was this strong vanilla streak going in the 80s. So I'm surprised, like, uh, like, I really love when you can be subversive in these kind of subtle ways and it's still a PG movie. You know, because Marty's mom was very forward, very attractive, and uh, so it's a very confusing situation. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I love that. And maybe I found it titillating. I mean, I'll be, you know, is it like like because of Leah Thompson, you know, it, but it, whatever. Um, okay, I've said too much already. Um, I, I don't mean it in that. Anyway, let's just keep moving. It's uh, a podcast. Uh, put you to sleep. Uh, so, uh, then Marty's like, all right, I got to get out of here. I got to go see my uncle, Doc Brown or something. Uh, Marty shows up at Doc Brown's house. Doc's in the middle of an invention. So he recruits Marty, you know, in, uh, to, to, in, what a, what a wonderful turn. Christopher Lloyd. I hope that's the actor's name. Not doing myself any justice here. It, it, just Doc Brown, like an iconic, uh, movie figure from the eighties. So he does an experiment on Marty about like, uh, like kind of like telepathic stuff. Then Marty tries to explain to him his situation. And then that there's like a lot of comedy and exposition in there. And like Marty's like, well, I got to get back. And then they talk about that. And then like, then the consequences are revealed because the doc says, well, geez, you haven't talked to anybody because you could really, uh, there's this paradox with time travel. And he says, what do you mean? He says, well, do you know, and he says, well, actually I did. And then, uh, 
we start to realize that there's a clicking, t- the ticking clock, and not just a clock to get Marty back in time. I think they figure all this out, like, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, but that uh, Marty ran, you know, his father and his mother were supposed to meet, and Marty interrupted that, so now they'll never meet. And that'll undo Marty's brother's sister and his existence uh, because his parents will never get married and have their, their children. So Doc says, geez, you got to fix this and I'll figure out how to get this car going. I think that's what I think they divide the duties there. And then, then a big thing was like the clock tower was struck by lightning. I think that was maybe the whole thing, like why he went back the day the clock tower got struck by lightning was the last time it stopped working and they were trying to get it good to go back going in the present day. And so then they say, Oh, well, if we just, if we can figure out a way to do that, um, then that'll give us the energy, the 1.1 gigawatts we need to get you uh, back to the future. And that's when, you know, Dak Brown says, and we got to get you back to the future. And he says, in such a, just you want a movie. So then we have the, the second act of the movie, more or less, uh, it started at some point. I mean, I think it starts when Marty realizes that he's you know, the clock's ticking, and that if he doesn't get his father and his mother back together, you know, he he won't exist. So then that like there's a series of complications. Marty has to enroll, go to school, uh, to you know, to keep an eye on his mother and his father. His mother's in love with him. Uh, Biff's out, you know, doesn't like Marty. Then Marty can't help but be himself, which causes more complications that I probably don't remember. And George McFly really doesn't want to change or be helped. Like Marty's like, listen, man, you know, like, uh, I, I gotta help you. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I these, these are the areas that get foggy. The same principles there. And he doesn't like Marty then either. And is he, does he go by Calvin Klein there? Uh, but basically, most of that part of the movie is spent, like, evading Biff, evading, you know, uh, having an Oedipalian moment with his mother, and trying to to, 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 to spur uh, uh, George McFly on and, and figure out, geez, how am I going to create this? What am I going to do to create to recreate this happenstance that I interrupted where my parents met one another. And in reality, really what Marty's trying to do is like give his father what he, some self-esteem, I guess, and, and to be like, geez, you deserve to be treated with respect and like to have some like a uh, positive masculinity uh, or whatever you want to call it, like, uh, and, and not to be pushed around by people like Biff. And also, uh, oh, another thing, I think one of Marty's issues is that he has too much of a temper and... Like, I think that is maybe one of his flaws. I don't know exactly, but I think, like, he's too much of a hothead. But I don't think he—I wonder if he ever resolves that in the movie. Uh, But so I'm trying to think of what major things happen. I I guess this portion of the movie I don't really remember that well. I mean, I remember not—like, it it all leads up to the dance. uh, and again, I guess the other thing is that and Marty not being able to help himself because maybe he also loves the limelight too. Because at some point he sets he, like we th- it's like the where we think he's got everything solved. Like he's da- he gets his dad to take uh, Lorraine is that her name uh, to the dance and all the mood is set and they're dancing slow and everything looks like it's it's happening and then. 
And then Marty can't help himself, and then I think he does his Johnny Be Good routine. Maybe that's then. I don't. I don't I'm not exactly sure. And uh, he like does this big guitar solo, and that's very funny. But I think that throws everything off a little bit. That throws a wrench in the work. Maybe because I, I think then he's like, uh, I think I don't know. Does that sound right? And then. Uh, Okay, like again, Biff still isn't satisfied. He he's irate, and then at some point, Biff uh, like uh, uh, corners everybody, and it, uh, George McFly is forced into like standing up for himself. He he's, he warns Biff, and then he stands up uh, to Biff and defends Lorraine. And we see that uh, she sees something in, in in George McFly that she loves, and he already, he loves her. And Biff's defeated, and Marty's reunited his parent or united his parents or whatever. Uh, then the clock is still ticking, and then Marty like last minute, I think even then he like runs out of gas once, or there's one more thing that on his way to. Oh, I think. Uh, no, they, there's a storm, and then the, the cords become unplugged, and Dak Brown has to um, climb on the clock tower or something. And maybe Marty has to evade one more thing, but everything works to the exact second. And Marty, the lightning strikes the clock tower, goes the lightning spoiler alert, it goes through 1.1 gigawatts, sends Marty back to the future, and then. Um, uh, what what happens? And then, like, so Marty hasn't been gone very long. He doesn't think. But then he goes back to his house. I don't know if he must return the car to Doc Brown's. I don't know what happens with the car. But the next thing we see is the scene at Marty's house. And we see that the, his his parents are and his siblings are the same, but they're also different. Like, all of a sudden, Marty, Marty's father has much more self-esteem. They're a little bit well, more well-off, like upwardly mobile. His mom, like, I think she was probably smoking and kind of tired and, and a little bit embittered in the beginning of the movie, and now she's happy and fulfilled. Uh, George is virile, and, and Biff is, like, subservient. And actually, like, so it's a de-Edipelian situation because now uh, his father is empowered as king of the household again somehow, maybe. I don't know. And then his brother and his sister, they're like nicer people or something. Or maybe his brother, in the beginning of the movie, his brother like is like uh, like kind of like Judge Reinhold's character in um, Fast Times. And then at the uh, end of the movie, he's like a lawyer. And his sister, I think she, maybe she's like, a, she's a real estate agent in the end of the movie, maybe. I think so, because that was when the, there was like Century 2. Like, I think this is just like what I'm imagining. And then uh, you say, wow, and you're already like, there's just these three punches, like like four. So there's like the victory of reuniting his parents and of George finding his self-esteem. And maybe, I don't know if Marty finds some self-control, if that's part of it. Then you have the the, the sequence where with 1.1 gigawatts and that tension is broken then you have this post scene where you say, oh, wow, the future, you, you, you actually made the future better. Nice move. And then actually they learn like, uh, they're so upwardly, upwardly mobile that Marty has his own car. 
I think that was like an issue. Yeah, I mean, that was like just like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like that was one of the great issues of the, the day was uh, not having your own vehicle. But so Marty has his own car. And then his girlfriend shows up and he says, hey, you, you see, I think it like uh, this was like what I thought all like I think she sits in his lap or something and they kiss and they say, I can't wait to go to the dance with you, sweetie cakes. And he says, I can't wait to go to the dance with you, sweetie cakes. And they say, man, and then Dak rolls up uh, like just what a way to cap off the movie. And like Dak rolls up in the DeLorean, but it's like slightly changed. And then he says, you know, Marty, uh, I need you. We got to go. We got to go back to the future or something. I don't know. He says, there's trouble in the future, trouble in the past. No, trouble in the future. And he says, you need to come too, because I think it was like trouble with their kids. Maybe. I don't remember. And then we learn that it like, it has a food processor now that it can run on like garbage scraps, the, uh, the energy for the, um, time machine. And then, like, they get in, and then the last uh, special effect sequence, which everyone remembers, because it's like, uh, Doc, we don't have enough roads uh, to get up to 88 miles an hour. And then Doc Brown says, roads? Where we're going, we don't need any roads. And then the uh, uh, DeLorean launches into, like, its wheels fold down, and it hovers, and then it takes off like a spaceship. And that was like one of the first times where it was like, and I don't know if, I don't think they had it. Like, I don't, I mean, the movie was a huge, huge hit, just like Goonies was. I think that was it. Like Goonies had made so much money and then the Entertainment Tonight's like, this movie's going to make even more money, which it did. And like, but to to like tease the sequel like it had before the movies, but, but I mean, talk about a tease, like, uh. It was like, holy crap, I need to see this movie now. And then it was like, I just need to rewatch this Back to the Future again and again and again and again. So, I mean, that was definitely, what a movie. I mean, what casting. Again, like uh, with Goonies and Back to the Future, you just think about how well cast those movies were. Like, what a wonderful job they did. It's amazing. And then... uh I don't know, and I think it was uh, Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg were, uh, and me, I don't know who else was involved in it, but, uh, and then years after that, then, like, uh, the the sequel would come out, and it was pretty, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, again, like, when a movie hits that hard and that good, it's really hard to uh, top it, and I don't think the second Back to Future I don't know, maybe I did, like, just where I was in my life or something. It just wasn't the same to me. It was good, uh, but it wasn't um, life-altering, like, the, the, the this summer of movies of Goonies, of View to a Kitten, and uh, Back to the Future, where, where I just, like, uh, changed my entire perspective. But I'm very thankful uh, that I had this summer of these three movies, and thanks for uh, coming along for the ride, everybody.